So for the next uh, several weeks here in the summer, we're going to be doing a series on the spiritual disciplines. And uh, we've named the, the, uh, the sermon series Habits, um, sp- and we're talking about spiritual practices, a transforming power of spiritual practices. And uh, just all the way through, I'm going to be talking about spiritual disciplines, spiritual habits, and spiritual practices. And these are synonyms for essentially the same thing. Okay, these are rhythms that you put into your life that put you in, in the way of spiritual growth. And I'm excited about this series because uh, in the summary here, we're going to concentrate on change. Uh, spiritual disciplines and spiritual uh, practices are all about growth. They're all about transformation, and they're all about change. Now, one of the great promises of the Christian life is this idea of transformation, And to be a Christian, it means not only that you're forgiven of your sins. I mean, that's great news, and you're forgiven of all of your sins, past, present, and future. But Christianity is about more than that. Uh, Christianity is not just about going to heaven when you die. Uh, When you die, if you are a Christian, you will go to be with God. I mean, that that is a, a big part of Christianity, but that's not all that Christianity is about. Christianity is about more than that. Christianity is about transformation. It's about God changing your life, transforming your life, growing you into the person that you were always created to be. It's about God rooting sins out of your life. It's about God uh, rooting a, a brokenness out of your life and transforming you and changing you into the person that he's created you to be. And as Christians, we have tremendous power to change. Uh, at one point, Paul the Apostle says, get this, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. So the very power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living in you. That's, it's indwelling inside of you. And so we as Christians have tremendous power to change. And so, and, it, and it's a great joy for us to experience transformation. I know that even as a pastor, uh, one of my greatest joys is to see lives transformed. One of my greatest joys is to, to look at God's people, and, the, and especially this group of people, Uh, that God has blessed me to be the pastor uh, of Fellowship Bible Church and to look out and see you all change. Uh, Periodically, we'll have videos of life change. And one of the videos I remember is a a good friend of mine named Robbie, Robbie Brown. And he he told this story in this video about how God had changed his life. And he said, when I was younger, he said, I was completely racist. He said, I didn't like like people of another race. I didn't like people of other cultures. I looked down upon them. But he said, when I became a Christian, he said, God began to transform my heart and change my affections so that I actually began to to see that all people are made in the image of God, that all of us are both broken and beautiful, and that I am no better than somebody of a different race. So God was transforming his racism. And this is good news. This is a wonderful promise of Christianity, growth, transformation, change. But it's also a great problem, isn't it? I mean, when you think about this promise of transformation, it kind of raises a frustration or a problem because many of us, if you're like me, growth and change don't happen as quickly as we'd like it to, right? For many of us, uh, our beliefs don't match up with the way we actually behave. You know, we go to church and we listen to sermons and we, we believe all the right things, we know all the right things, and many of us have a lot of Bible knowledge, but so often our knowledge doesn't translate into changed lives, into transformation. And, uh, you know, some people have called this the, the knowing and doing gap. You know, the book of James says that don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. 
And so for many of us, there's this big divide, there's this big gap between what we know and the way we actually behave. And so I think of myself as a pastor. I know a lot about the Bible. I mean, it's my job (laughs) to teach the Bible. And there are days when I study the Bible, you know, uh, all day long, and then I go home, and my kids are, uh, you know, they're frustrating me, and I get impatient with my children, you know, and I have a hard time controlling my anger, you know, and I, and I have these, uh, you know, bad habits in my life. And so a lot of times what I know doesn't translate into the way I behave. I get frustrated at the, at the embarrassing sins in my life. And I'm sure my wife does too. <laughs> and the people around us, you know, they suffer because of our lack of transformation. Our communities, the people at work, you know, we could be influencing them for the gospel. And a a transformed life is so uh, impactful and it's so uh, powerful to people on the outside of faith. And so when we fail to transform and really change in our lifestyles, it could actually damage our witness to the world, to unbelievers in our lives. And so there's this frustrating thing, this great promise. God wants to transform us. The frustration so often, it's really not happening the way we want it to. And so what's the answer to this? What's, uh, what's, well, what's a big answer to this? Well, it's uh, the, the series that we're going to be looking at uh, for the next several weeks. And what I'm going to be saying is that one of the, the most important uh, keys to life change as a Christian is setting in your life spiritual habits. Spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices are one of the main ways that you could actually experience the the power of God in your life to change. Someone once said uh, that we are what we habitually do. Now this struck me this past week, you know, especially in our age of iPhone addiction and, uh, you know, lack of self-control. You are what you habitually do. The rhythms in your life the practices that you set in your life, the disciplines that you set in your life are making you. They're creating you. You are what you habitually do. And so, you know, if you habitually do things that, that are, are not good for you, that maybe are bad habits, well, that's leading you in a certain direction. But as Christians, if we set in good, good habits, good rhythms, good practices, good disciplines, those disciplines have incredible power to shape us, and to point us in the direction of transformation. And so uh, today what we're going to do is we're going to do an introduction to the spiritual uh, practices. Uh, In the the sermon series, we're going to look at various practices week by week that we could do. But today we're going to do a broad overview of the spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines. And uh, we're going to look at a very famous passage that talks about the spiritual disciplines, and what they're all about. It's in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. And uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, it it talks about, uh, you know, kind of the why, the how and the why and the what of spiritual disciplines. And so as we look at the passage, let me ask three questions, okay? Uh, Number one, we're going to ask, what are the spiritual disciplines? And then second of all, why do we need them? And then thirdly, where do they point us? So three things, three questions as we look at this short little passage. Let me, look, let me read it again. He says here, I have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths, but rather, here it is, train yourselves to godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. 
So number one, this passage uh, answers the question, what are the spiritual disciplines? Now notice what Paul does here. He says to Timothy, um, exercise or train yourself to godliness. Right, and so Paul is writing to his protege, Timothy. Timothy's a young pastor of a congregation. And what Paul says is he says, Timothy, young pastor, uh, my protege, my, my mentee, he says, I want you to be godly. I want, and, and godly just simply means I want you to be like Christ. I want you to develop character in your life. I want you to transform. I want you to grow. But he doesn't simply say, just be godly, Timothy. He says, I want you to train yourself to be godly. And what Paul's doing here is he's, he's uh, creating here a parallel between physical exercise and spiritual exercise and godliness, following Jesus. In other words, uh, he's saying that, you know, just like someone gets a great physique or someone gets a lean body uh, or somebody gets, you know, toned muscles by going to the gym, godliness Someone develops godliness by, go, by developing spiritual sweat, by, by working hard at it, by working out in terms of, of godliness and spirituality. In fact, the word here, train yourself, is, is the Greek word gymnazio, which literally comes from the Greek, which we get gem from, right? So uh, he's saying, go to the spiritual gym to be godly. I want you to exercise to be godly. Work hard to be godly. Now, what, what Paul is doing here is something, he's using a metaphor that he uses all the way through the, his writings for the Christian life. Paul always uses the metaphor of athletics when he talks about the discipleship to Jesus. And so, for example, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 9, Paul says this, Do you not know that in, in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body. And I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should, be, should not be disqualified. So here's Paul, total type A personality. It's like, Paul, take a Xanax or something. <laughs> Calm down a little bit. But what Paul's doing here is this is not a one-off metaphor. Uh, Paul always uses the metaphor of athletics for uh, spiritual growth, for, for following Jesus. And this uh, metaphor would have struck a chord to his audience because remember, he's writing in, in Greece. In the ancient world, there were the Panhellenic Games. And people would uh, come from all over the Mediterranean world and they would converge. Uh, the place was Corinth and they would converge there and they would watch athletes compete for prizes. And so Paul says, being a Christian is like being an athlete. It takes a tremendous amount of exercise, a tremendous amount of work. And notice the central role that discipline, discipline plays in the metaphor. He says in 1 Corinthians here, I discipline my body, and going to the gym takes discipline. You know, oftentimes I look at Lucas, and he's so big and strong and buff, That didn't happen by accident. Lucas belongs to the gym. He's self-disciplined. And Christianity, the Christian life, is the same way. It takes discipline. Paul says, I discipline my body. In fact, the word disciple, the etymology of the word disciple is, at least on the English side, discipline. Disciple, discipline. To be a disciple of Jesus means that you are a disciplined one. 
Now, we all know what disciplines you need to do in order to get physically fit. We all know the exercises you need to do to get physically fit, right? You go to the gym, and what do they have? There's treadmills, you know, you can run on. Uh, there are weights you can lift. You know, you can do the bench press. Uh, there are, you know, balls that you can sit on, those big rubber balls. You know, you could do calisthenics. We all know the exercises that, that lead to physical fitness. But what are the exercises that lead to spiritual fitness? What are the exercises that lead to God, godliness and enter the spiritual disciplines? What are spiritual disciplines? They are exercises that lead to your godliness. Spiritual disciplines are practices that put you in the way of transformation. Let me give you a definition. This is by Dallas Willard. And Dallas Willard, um, if you look at our, our little card that I handed out, he's one of the books that I recommended called The Spirit of the Disciplines. Here's his definition of a spiritual discipline. The disciplines are activities of mind and body purposely undertaken to bring our personality and total being into effective cooperation with the divine order. They enable us more and more to live in, in a power that is strictly speaking beyond us, deriving from the spiritual realm itself as we yield ourselves to God as those that are alive from the dead and our members as instruments of righteousness unto God, as Romans 6.13 puts it. That was a long definition, total run-on sentence, but, but what he's saying is that the spiritual disciplines are practices, body and mind, that put you in the way of transformation. They help us tap in to the power of the Holy Spirit, right? The power that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of you. The spiritual disciplines allow us to draw on that power and work it out. Let me give you a list of spiritual disciplines, and this is not an exhaustive list, uh, because really spiritual disciplines can come in all shapes and sizes. And the list could go on and on, but here's sort of like the top ten list here. Um, some of the dis disciplines are silence and solitude, right? So turning off your television, uh, unplugging from the iPhone and experiencing silence and solitude. That's a spiritual discipline. Uh, normal ones like prayer and fasting. Uh, last week as a staff, or a couple weeks ago as a staff, we actually fasted, and it had been a long time since I fasted. It's hard work. <laughs> spiritual, it's a spiritual discipline. Prayer and fasting. Uh, meditation is another discipline. Sitting and just sort of turning over scripture in your mind and thinking about the Bible. Setting a time in your day where, where there's quiet, where you can think and meditate on scripture. Bible reading is another spiritual discipline. Having a period of Bible reading that you could put in your life. Community, allowing people in your life. A weekly uh, gathering together in community is a spiritual discipline. These are all rhythms that you put in your life. Sabbath is a spiritual discipline. Stopping one day and just saying, look, I'm going to rest. I'm not going to do anything. Uh, Sunday gathering, coming to church is a spiritual discipline. So here you are, good job. You guys are practicing a spiritual di discipline, a rhythm, a weekly rhythm that you've put in your life that puts you in the way of transformation. Uh, practicing the Lord's Supper, the bread and the cup, singing, uh, service, simplicity is also a spiritual discipline. Simplifying your life is something that's been practiced for a long time. Celebration is a discipline. Uh, confession, uh, examining your life and confessing your sins. Secrecy is a discipline as well. So when you do something awesome and Jesus-like, you don't put it on Instagram or Facebook, right? <laughs> you do it quietly and nobody can see you do it. This is a spiritual discipline. And finally, gratitude. Uh, there was a girl who, uh, a, a young woman who came uh, a while back to our church and 
uh, she heard a sermon on gratitude that I gave. And, she, and later she said, you know, after the sermon, I actually started a gratitude journal. She said, I had trouble with gratitude, and so I literally kept a journal where I wrote down things that I was grateful for. I did it weekly, uh, daily. I can't remember how long she did it. But these are spiritual disciplines. These are practices of body and soul that you can set into the rhythm of your life that put you in the way of transformation. And notice they're, uh, they're, they're of all different types. You know, when you think about working out, there, there are different types of equipment depending upon what you need to work out, right? And so you can go and do resistance training, or you can go and you can do um, energy training. These are just made-up words. I've never done any of it. <laughs> but, you, you know, there are different types. You know, maybe you need to stretch or something, or uh, I totally don't even know what I'm talking about here. Um, but these are, these are, there are different types of them. In the spiritual realm, these disciplines... There are some that involve abstaining, so like fasting and solitude. You're abstaining from work. You're abstaining from food. You're, you're separating yourself from some things. And then there's disciplines of engagement, right? Celebration and, and community and weekly gathering where you're doing certain things. These are all rhythms. These are all disciplines. These are all habits that you can set in your life that, that put you in the way of discipleship. So are you exercising yourself to godliness? Well, somebody asked, well, why do we need these? I mean, why, why, why do we need spiritual disciplines? I mean, if the Holy Spirit's there, and I'm reading my Bible, why do I need practices? Why do I need good habits? Well, this might be obvious, obvious to some of you, but, but let me just look at this for a second. One of the main reasons why we need spiritual disciplines is to help ourselves understand that spiritual growth happens through training. In fact, someone put it this way. Spiritual growth is less about trying hard and more about training hard. Now, what is the difference? Well, let me put it this way. Think about, you know, training. Let's say somebody came to me and they said, uh, Brent, we would like you to, to run a marathon. Maybe it was the Olympics committee. Brent, we want you to be in the Olympics. We want you to run a marathon. Now, I, I, th I would be flattered if somebody asked me to do that, and I would be very inspired by it, but the problem is the furthest I've run in the last five years is from the couch to the refrigerator. And if, if, if I tried to run a marathon right now, even if I tried really, really hard, I would fail. I would not do well in a marathon by trying really hard. If I'm serious about running a marathon, what do I do? I train. I engage in a, in, a, in a process of training. If you're serious about running a marathon, you must enter into a life of training. You'll need to arrange your life around certain practices that will enable you to do what you cannot do now by willpower alone. And when it comes to running a marathon, you must train and not merely try. And so a lot of us think that being, you know, being godly or developing Christ-like character is like, I just try really hard. It's all about willpower, but it's about much more than that. It's about training. It's about organizing your entire life around habits and discipline that will put you in a, 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 in a training uh, towards godliness. It's much more than about willpower. Now think about um, soccer, right? Some of your uh, coaches, and think about soccer. If you want to play the game of soccer well, what do you do? You do drills, right? And if you've got, I know that if you go to the field or whatever, you'll see so, you know, soccer players doing this, 
You know, I don't, this little thing here with the ball. Um, this is, I'm moving all over the place during this sermon, aren't I? Uh, you know, if you want to do well at soccer, you've got to do drills. And so the spiritual dis- disciplines are what, are, are to the spiritual life what drills are to soccer. Or if you want to play drums, you, you do that rat-a-tat thing. What is that thing that you practice? Anybody, what is that called again? Nobody knows. Um, anyway, you practice. Uh, if you want to play the piano, you do scales. If you want to learn a foreign language, you, you have flashcards. And so the spiritual disciplines are what drills and practice are to, to, some, to a game of sports or some a musical instrument or even learning a language. There are ways that we train and practice So in other words, a spiritual discipline, it's anything I do by direct effort that will help me do what I cannot do now by direct effort. I can't run a marathon now, even if I try really hard. And you can't be like Jesus now, even, even if you try really hard. You've got to organize your life around the spiritual disciplines that train you to be like Jesus. Now think about it in, in your, in, in just in your own everyday life. Let's say you hear a sermon on patience. Right, you, you, you get really inspired, oh, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to be patient, you know, and so you go home, and uh, you, you're, you're in the room with your three-year-old, and if you know anything about three-year-olds, they will try your patience. And you're trying so hard to be patient, and you blow up, and, and, and then, then it's all over. What's going on? Well, it, you're trying hard, but you're failing. And it's difficult. If you really want to learn patience... You've got to say, okay, what, what are some ways that I can train to do this? What are some disciplines I could put in my life to train myself to learn patience so that in the moment, right, in the moment, I've already prepared, right? I'm not trying to be patient when the, you know, three-year-old comes at me with his little block and throws it at me. I'm, I'm, I'm starting way before then. I'm putting practices and disciplines and, and exercises in my life that help me to be godly in the moment, Oh, this is so important to get. Uh, there's a South African uh, uh, golfer named Gary Sport. And at one point, the media asked him to respond to a critic who said he was lucky when he won a game. And he said this, yes, I am lucky, and the more I practice, the luckier I get. And sometimes godliness looks so effortless on people. You know, you see them, they've got great kids. But you don't realize that behind the scenes, they've organized their lives around disciplines and exercises in order to move themselves towards being good parents. My brother was in a restaurant the other day. My brother's got four beautiful, really well-behaved girls. And in fact, I hate bringing my boys around them because they make my boys (laughs) look bad. And uh, at one point, Josh was in the restaurant, and a woman just came up and just complimented on his kids. Oh, your kids are so well-behaved. I mean, they're so beautiful, they're so well-behaved. And then she said, you're so lucky. And Josh almost had a fit there in the restaurant because he knew that it wasn't lucky. They didn't come out of the womb like that. Those kids and their character took enormous amount of practice and discipline. And he's organized his life around, you know, in some ways being a good parent. And so in order to develop godly character, I mean, it's not, it's not a pill that you take. It doesn't just happen by accident. You know, when, when you're godly in the moment, it, be, it comes as a result of practice and exercise. Exercise yourself to godliness. 
Now, before we move on, let me, um, let me answer some objections. Someone's, someone might be saying, well, wait a minute, you're talking about work and exercise and all this stuff. What about God's grace? I mean, all this effort, you know, and all this exercise, isn't God a God of grace? Isn't God a God who says, it's not about what you do, but what I've done for you? Well, yes, that's true. But that's, Dallas Willard puts it this way, grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. And so listen, you put these exercises in your life not to earn love from God. God already loves you. You are already a son or daughter of God. God is already pleased with you. You're already fully accepted. You don't earn anything by, by praying a lot or fasting a lot. God already loves you. Grace is real, but grace is, is not, a, it's opposed to earning, but not opposed to effort. In fact, grace leads to effort. Someone might also say, well, you know, what about the Holy Spirit? You know, somebody once told me to stop trying and start trusting. To let go and let God. Anybody heard that one? Let go and let God. It's almost like you just, you know, you just stand there and God just transforms your life, you know? without even you putting forth ethers, just walking in the spirit, you know, just walking around one day, and I'm just like Jesus now. You know, Christianity is not about not trying, and I mean, it is about trusting, but it's about more than that. You've You've gotta try, you've gotta work, even with the Holy Spirit in you. You see, God does his part, but you see, we have a responsibility in our discipleship to Jesus. We've got to put forth effort. Think about a farmer. You know, a farmer has no control over what weather comes or, or he can't make the plants grow. You know, God does that. But what does the farmer do? He, he, he disciplines himself and he, and he plows in the summer and he uh, spreads seed in the winter, right? Right, he does all these things, getting ready for, you know, doing his part so that, so that God can bring the growth. Or think about a sailboat. You know, you need the wind for the sailboat to go. But you also need a sailor who's scaled. Scaled? Skilled. Who knows where to point that sail. And who's prepared and trained so that the boat moves forward. Paul, at one point, he says this. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God's part and your part. Somebody once said that without God, you can't. can't. But without you, God won't. We have a role to play in our discipleship. Now, somebody also might say, well, don't these get rigid? You know, can't these spiritual disciplines make my life rigid and joyless? Well, they can, for sure. I mean, think about the Pharisees. Um, You know, think about how disciplined they were. They were reading their Bible. They were fasting and praying. What was wrong? I mean, they were disciplined, but that discipline wasn't leading to growth. What was going on? They made their disciplines the end instead of the means. Right? For them, it was all about the discipline. It was all this rigid, you know, we, you know, I've checked, I've read my Bible, I've prayed, I've fasted, and that's it. The disciplines are not the end, they're the means to the end. The end is godliness. And this is why disciplines can be flexible. And they could be seasonal. Now, some of you, you know, you're, you're nursing mothers and you've got four children. At least we do. <laughs> 
And my disciplines look way different now than they did when I was 25. You know, I used to get up and read my Bible every morning at 4.30 uh, when I was a legalist. <laughs> and now as a, as a father, sometimes I'm up with a crying boy at four in the morning. And so if you're a nursing mother or a college student or whatever season of life you're in, these spiritual disciplines could be flexible and they could work, look differently. So don't get rigid about this. And don't get legalistic about this. Like I said, when I was younger, uh, I remember being so, uh, I was a, I'm not really a type A personality, but as in the spiritual realm, I was. And I remember, uh, you know, being, oh, I need discipline. I need spiritual disciplines. I'm going to do it. So I got up at, you know, five in the morning. But I had a brother who was also a Christian, and when he saw me getting up at five in the morning, he got up at 4.50. When I saw him getting up at 4.50, I got up at 4.30. And when he saw me getting up at 4.30, he got up at 4.20. Right, we're moving back, right? And we were competing with these spiritual disciplines. There's a photo of me back then, and I was pale and white and miserable. You see, I was making the spiritual discipline the end instead of the means. I was using it to earn favor with God and to compete with other Christians. That's not what it's about at all. It's just about setting rhythms and practices in your life that will lead to joy, that will lead to your transformation. You are what you habitually do. Are you looking at your life? Are you looking at your habits? Are your habits putting you on the wrong trajectory? Some of you say, I want to be like Jesus, but your habits are taking you the other direction. And spiritual growth soft and comes down to that really basic thing of just putting spiritual habits, spiritual disciplines into your life that are going to take you in the right direction. So let's look at the final point real quickly. What direction? Where do the spiritual uh, d disciplines lead us? But notice what he says, discipline yourself to what? To godliness. This is where they go. They're going to make you godly. This is the goal. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, for bodily training is of some value, but godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So here's what Paul's saying. He's saying spiritual disciplines are an incredibly worthwhile endeavor. You're saying, should I, should I put these things in my life? Should I pray? Should I fast? Should I do these things? And Paul is saying, listen, you can't afford not to. Because what you want more than anything life, what in life, what is of utmost value is not so much how much you earn or where you live or how you, well you do in the, the successful um, sort of chain in the job market. What matters most in life is not what you do, but who you are. I was listening to a podcast last week, and it was about um, uh, spiritual transformation. And it was Kerry uh, Newoff is, is the, the guy's name. He's a pastor in ca Canada. And he was talking about character. And he says, at the end of the day, nobody cares how many podcasts I had downloaded. And nobody cares how big my church was. When I die and people are standing around my gravestone, all that's going to matter is the person I became. And that's what's going to matter to your kids. And that's what's going to matter to your spouse. And that's what's going to matter to the people at the office. And really, this is what matters to you because God has created you for a reason. 
God wants to make you more like Jesus. And to become more like Jesus isn't to become less human, it's to become more human. To become like Jesus is to become who you were always meant to be. And this is profitable for all things. And physical exercise is great for the moment, but to work on being godly and to work on developing character is what Jesus Christ died to give you. He gave you the power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. You have enormous vitality and spiritual ability to become like Jesus. And it's such a worthy endeavor to move in this direction. It's who you've been created to be. At the end, when everything is over, all that matters is who you were before God. And so for the next few weeks, we're gonna look at the spiritual disciplines. They're not a way to earn your salvation. They're a way to work out your salvation that's been given to you as a gift. God has given us power. And for the next few weeks, we're gonna be looking at different disciplines we can do to access the power that God has given us. Are we ready? Can we say yes? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving us this very instructive passage to uh, Timothy, uh, Paul's young protege, and, and you tell us that it's that exercise, spiritual exercise, training, practice, is a vital part of the Christian life. We are what we habitually do. And so God, as the next few weeks, as we, as we look uh, through these disciplines and as we look at our lives, as we examine the actual habits and the actual disciplines that we've developed, I pray that you would give us strength, give us power, give us inspiration. God, to, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling and to put habits into our life that put us in the way of transformation. We pray that you would do this in Jesus' name. Amen.